Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, it is an unbelievable and unknowable truth that we sing. What eternity will be like, what that means, what that looks like, what that experience will be. When we've been there 10,000 years, we haven't even begun. There's no less days to sing your praise than when we first begun. God, it is so impossible for us to understand what eternity is, but God, we thank you that you do. And God, you have promised us these things. You have invited us in that we can know and experience who you are even here now today and get a taste of what that eternity will look like. And God, we thank you for that. So God, as we turn to your word this morning and we explore what you have for us, God, we pray that you would give us a further taste of eternity, that as we open your word and read these things that you have declared since before time began, these truths of who you are and what you have created, God, we seek to understand that we can experience your presence here now and share it with others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, our big kids can head back to their program here this morning, grade four, five, six. Pastor Rebecca's got some amazing stuff in store for you there. But amen, amen, indeed. Sounded amazing this morning. And that's just one of those songs that you can never sing it hard enough. Uh, It doesn't matter how hard you sing it. Uh, Those truths are so powerful to declare. And it is a pleasure to join with the choir this morning and sing these things together. Uh, But as we begin this morning, we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to read a portion of this story here this morning, Matthew chapter 18, I believe we're starting in, I believe, I know, I know where we're starting, Uh, verse, uh, what do we have up there, then Peter, oh, I think I wrote it down wrong, there we go, verse 21, I knew what I was doing. I even prepared this. I was in Jasper this week uh, for a class trip uh, with my daughter Elizabeth, the grade sevens, and so uh, we were running on no sleep uh, for the last four days. It was a long trip, but it was amazing. It was fun. We got to walk on a glacier. I don't know if you've ever had the chance to do that, but I was kind of going into, I mean, I'm, I'm a nerd. I enjoy these uh, science kinds of things, and I find it interesting, but at the same time, I was like, it's walking on ice. You know, I've walked on ice before. It is not just walking on ice. It was amazing. If you ever get a chance to go on a tour of a glacier, it was phenomenally interesting, even though it still just was walking on ice. There was a lot to it. It was really, really interesting. Uh, But we are running on no sleep, and we are doing great. And uh, I had a very serious injury in one of our hiking trips, and so you can pray for me and my recovery. You can totally see it from there, right? There is a Band-Aid on my hand, I promise. Um... (laughs) But we're going to open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 21 here this morning and read a little bit of a parable that's going to kind of set the stage for us as we step into the things that God's going to be speaking to us here this morning. Verse 21 says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. 
The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Please be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We're coming to the end of our year focusing on this idea of sacred. And next week we're going to be diving right into our summer series that Pastor Scott has been preparing for us, stepping forward into all the incredible things that God has prepared for us on this journey. And this summer we're going to be exploring the nature of sin. A nice light summer series for us. But it's going to be not about shame and guilt, it's going to be about pursuing profound freedom and life that God desires us to know, embracing release and hope and joy, new abundant life in the Spirit set free and filled with the love of grace of God. It's going to be amazing. God has really incredible things in store for us, but today we're coming to the end of our kind of year, our year studying and praying into this sacred presence. This understanding of the mission that God has placed before us to be and to bring His sacred presence into the world and into the lives of the people around us. A world that so desperately needs it. To help the people around us to see the spiritual reality that they inhabit. That we are spiritual beings in a spiritual world created in the very image of God to reflect His beauty and power and glory to share together in His love and His holiness, to experience and enjoy His nature and His presence. And we get to bring that to people. We walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, alive in us, God working through us to bring people to Himself. It's been an amazing journey this year exploring these things and I've never been more excited about the mission of our church and the power of the Spirit. We get to bring life to see people's eyes opened and lives transformed, to see people come alive with the hope and grace of Jesus and worship together as He shapes us all into the image of Jesus one day at a time. It's exciting. But as we said last week, we're only coming to the end of the beginning of this journey because this journey that God is leading us on is going to carry forward as we seek to understand what it means to be and to bring His presence here on earth. He has so much more for us to see, to know, 
to understand, to embrace. He wants to take us deeper. Deeper in relationship. Deeper in submission. Deeper in humility. Deeper in sacrifice. Deeper into new life. And I can't wait to see all the things that He has in store for us. But as we come to the end of our year, as we look at this idea of sacred in different ways, our final series has been on the practices of the presence of God. Seeking to understand the what of all of this. We've looked at the how and the why, but what exactly are we supposed to do with this idea? What does this sacred presence look like? What are the things that God is calling us to do to make this real? We talked about caring and serving, teaching and listening and correcting and growing. And last week as we continue forward in this journey and step towards new things, we talked about preparing, about discipline and focus, being intentional in our relationship with God and being prepared for whatever He calls us to do, whether we think we're ready or worthy or not, whether we think we can do it or not. What is He calling you to do? Who is He calling you to love, to serve, to even just see? Are we ready to bring the presence of Jesus there? Do we know the voice of Jesus so well that we are ready to move when He speaks? It's been a challenging journey, but this morning as we close our series, we're going to talk about One of the biggest practices, one of the hardest, maybe one of the most important for our own understanding and experience of the presence of God, we're going to talk about the practice of forgiving. Forgiving is a dangerous word. And for some of us, we're already nodding sagely along, "Mm, yes, God is gracious, and so I must be too. We know this well until someone weaves into our lane even just a little bit on the highway or pulls out a huge pile of change in front of us at the register at the grocery store. Our spirit of grace and forgiveness can evaporate pretty quickly even at small things let alone when something actually real happens, when we are stabbed in the back by a close friend, someone we trusted, when we are truly hurt by someone we love, betraying our trust or abusing our relationship. Forgiving is easy to imagine, but it's hard to do. Because even when we say the words, so often our feelings don't change as much as we wish they would. And we're still angry. We're still hurt. We still can't trust. It's hard. Because people are hard. Relationships are hard. And we hurt each other so much, so easily, so often. So can we even do it then? What does forgiving someone even mean? And once again, as has been the case 
with all of these practices, it begins with God and embracing His own spirit of forgiveness toward us. Truly accepting His forgiveness and letting Him begin to do the work of bringing that restored life to our hearts, showing us His grace and seeing clearly the depth of our own need. Because one of the biggest problems we have in trying to forgive others is that we don't believe that we are forgiven first. We know our own sin and our own failures. We know the depth of those things and we don't feel like God should trust us. He shouldn't forgive us. And so how can we forgive others? But Scripture is filled with His promises toward us that He does know us. He does know your failures, your weaknesses, your brokenness. He sees it all more clearly and deeply than we even can ourselves. And He declares, whether we deserve it or not, whether we believe it or not, He declares, I forgive you. Psalm 103 The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not only always accuse, nor will He harbor His anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. Micah chapter 7. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of His inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the sea. Isaiah chapter 1, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Isaiah 43, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and who remembers your sins no more. Isaiah 53, he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. And there on the cross, Jesus Himself said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. And when he had received a drink, Jesus said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed up his head and gave up his spirit.
Jesus paid for our sin with his own life. And we are forgiven. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. He has compassion on us. He has tread our sins under his feet and hurled our iniquities in the depths of the sea. We are free forever and ever and ever. Amen. There is no limit to the grace of God and His forgiveness has been given and so we must accept it. We cannot earn it. We cannot make it more. We do not deserve it, but because of His great love for us, He has given it. We just have to receive it and submit in humility and thanks. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. God's forgiveness is powerful. And even as we walk in brokenness, as the Israelites have showed us over and over and over, God will forgive again and again if we will just turn back to Him and ask. It's so beautiful, it's so powerful and profound. God's love for you is so amazing and His forgiveness is so deep. It's a promise and a guarantee. It doesn't matter what you have done. By the blood of His own Son, He has proved it to you for all eternity. But if we understand this, If we experience this kind of love, this kind of grace, this kind of forgiveness, if we say we know what this means to be forgiven in this way, it cannot be real in our hearts if we do not share it with others. Forgiveness like this can only be known, can only be understood if it flows out of us in the same way it has been received. And again, Scripture is filled with this truth, this call. Colossians chapter 3, bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other again, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. We have to extend this forgiveness to others as we have received it ourselves. We should want to. If we have been forgiven like this, how can we but share it? We should be driven to show the world the power of the forgiveness of God that we have received and that He wants them to know. Because if we don't, how can we say we have understood our own forgiveness at all? 
And this is something that Jesus talks about a lot, that in order to be forgiven, we have to forgive others. Listen to what he says, Luke chapter 6, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and then you will be forgiven. Mark 11, and when you are praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Matthew chapter 6, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Does it sound like he's messing around? This is a huge statement, but we have to understand what he's truly saying here. He's not just trying to make this conditional. He's not a trickster waiting for us to screw up and take our forgiveness away. Oh, look out, are you forgiving enough? You better hope so. We so often treat him like that. Like God has this sword of Damocles hovering over our heads just waiting for us to screw up. Just wanting to punish us. That His forgiveness is vindictive and His love is withholding and cruel. But remember all those verses we read about the incredible power and glory and the grace of God all through His Word. Jesus is trying to tell us, trying desperately to help us see that the only way we can know forgiveness is to give forgiveness. The only way to know His love and grace for us is to extend it to others. Forgiveness is about relationship. And the only way we can receive it is to live it. One of the struggles we have in understanding grace, understanding the sacrifice of Jesus, is that we use these metaphors for what Jesus has done for us, that He paid the price for us, that He paid our debt, that He took our place in prison, that He took our sentence from us. And these things can be helpful in trying to understand the weight of what he's done, but they can be a big distraction too because what he did is not an economic transaction. Our sin is not a bank loan. It's a broken relationship. God's love doesn't have a maximum bank balance. And forgiveness isn't settling a mortgage. It's new and transformed life. It's eternal relationship with our Father and our Creator. And some way, miraculously, with each other too. We cannot say we've received that relationship anew if we cannot share it with others who were created for just the same as us and have the same need for Jesus that we do. Forgiving is life. And Jesus desperately wanted us to understand how deeply our hearts are connected to others, how our relationship with God is connected to the people around us. 
We don't do this alone. God is relationship in himself and he created us to know that too, to be together with him and with each other in relationship and we know his forgiveness when we understand and experience that. And the reality is that, as with, again, so many things, this is impossible for us to do in our brokenness and fallenness. But it isn't from us. And Peter asked Jesus about this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Jesus is trying to help us understand what all of this is all about, this spiritual reality we all inhabit, the relationship we were created for, because how can we do that, forgive like that? It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't even seem wise. To forgive like that. But Jesus reminds us through Paul what we're actually doing here. Ephesians chapter 6. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not just people that are hurting us. It's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're not playing the fairness game. Jesus told us that parable of the workers in the vineyard, those who started working at the beginning of the day and right in the last hour of the day were all paid the same because the goal isn't fair. It's eternity. We only understand limits, budgets, fear of not having enough, of there not being enough. God's nature and His grace is limitless. And the kingdom and the relationships we were created for is infinite and eternal. And if we are made new, we need to see people like Jesus does and forgive them like He forgives us. 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is here. God has made you new. He has made us new in relationship with His Son. And in this new life, we should only know love and grace, not fear. But there's one more complicated piece to this whole puzzle. It takes one to forgive takes two to restore relationship. What do we do if the other person isn't sorry? Jesus calls us to forgive 77 times, but what if they didn't ask? What if they don't care? What does forgiveness look like in that place? And God understands this too, far better than we do. Certainly, we don't care nearly enough about our own sin in our lives, and we hurt Him in ways that we don't even know. 
Just because forgiveness is offered doesn't mean it will be accepted, and we can't control that. God himself can't control that. Romans chapter 12, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with others. If we have truly embraced the forgiveness and grace that Jesus has offered to us, we will walk in a way that brings grace to others. But we can't make them accept it. We can't restore that relationship on our own. Forgiveness can be offered, but we can't fix it alone. And sometimes that can be harder than anything. We want to fix it. We want to make it right. We want to take control. But we have to trust that God is in control, that He knows their heart. He is at work in their life. And we need to pray for their peace that they will find new life in Jesus too. That we can be restored together as God so desires us to be. One of the practices I've held in my own life with individuals that I struggle with or somebody that's hurt me is I don't pray for God to change their heart. I pray blessings upon them. Pray success and that God will just be in their life in amazing ways. And what I've found is that transforms my heart toward them. Because so often the things that I would want to change in them are not the things that God's interested in changing. He's got His own work to do, and it's about aligning my heart with His. And all of a sudden, the ways that they've hurt me fade and filter away as I pray that God would just pour blessings on them, that they would experience His power and His presence in amazing ways. All of a sudden, I want to be a part of bringing those blessings to them. But prayer is the key. We need to pray for God's forgiveness in our own life continually, every day. Taking up our cross, dying to ourselves again, being reminded of the ways that we are failing. That He will bring us freedom and forgiveness and new life into those things as He reveals deeper and deeper places that He wants to change and transform in us. Pray that we will embrace His forgiveness and walk in a spirit filled and empowered by His grace and love. And pray that we will be so transformed by that forgiveness that it flows out to the people around us that they will be touched by the very grace of God that He has given to us. Again, that beautiful verse in Acts chapter 3, Repent then. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Who do you need to forgive? 
Who do you need to call this week to talk to and pray for? And on the other side, whose forgiveness do you need to accept? What bitterness do we harbor that we need to release, that relationship can be restored and that we can both know that refreshing? Let us be people that bring forgiveness into the world that others may know the gift of God that we have been given. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we bow before you today. And I don't know where each of our hearts are, but God, I know that I need your forgiveness again. I come before you, God, and I lay my life before you and I desire your forgiveness. Reveal, Father, in me the places that I need forgiveness. If we need that prayer this morning, God, we pray, I pray, God, that we would be bold and confident to come together, to pray for one another, to confess to each other and find that hope in relationship. Father God, we pray that we would be people of forgiveness, that we would easily offer forgiveness as you easily offer it to us. That we would walk in a spirit of grace and forgiveness, knowing how we have been forgiven, bringing that light and hope and peace into the lives of others. And God, I pray for that releasing for us as well. It hurts when we're hurt. And it can be difficult to trust. But God, we pray that we would have your strength. That we would walk in your power, in your spirit, not our own. So God, I pray that releasing in our lives, that we would release the hurt, release the bitterness, and, offer, and accept that forgiveness and grace that has been offered. That we would seek to restore relationship in both directions, God. We thank you, Father, that you are so gracious with us and we pray that we would understand that, that we can bring that into the world. In Jesus' name, amen.